0: Welcome. I'm Connor Beaton. And today we are going to talk all about pornography. So uh, a couple weeks ago, you probably heard the very first episode of Question the Rules of Men, uh, Modern Dating. It's a great conversation. If you haven't heard it, go back and check it out. Uh, Today, we are going to dive into pornography. And this conversation is for men, from men, Uh, all about men's relationships with porn. And the guys in this episode really, really have like no holds bars. Like this is one of the most raw, honest conversations that I've ever, ever, ever heard men have about uh, pornography. So the guys share, you know, their experience with it, how they found it for the very first time, experiences getting caught, how it impacted them. We talk about porn addiction. We talk about the industry. We talk about Masturbation routines, like we really go into it. And to be honest, this conversation wouldn't have been possible without Saks Underwear. Um, they really have been a huge, huge, huge part of supporting these you know, challenging discomfort and having these uncomfortable conversations. And it's not very often that you find a brand that's willing to sort of risk, uh, especially in the time that we're in right now, risk having these types of conversations. So this episode isn't uh, porn positive, or porn negative, or porn shaming. It is just three men having a conversation about pornography and the impacts of porn. I can't say enough about how powerful this conversation is. I can't say enough about Sax Underwear supporting this. Uh, Guys, uh, ladies, if you haven't checked them out, definitely go check them out. It's all that I wear now. Um, And it's all that a lot of guys that I know wear now because they are so freaking comfortable. Uh, plus, if you are Canadian, they are a Canadian based company. Uh, so I always love supporting the locals. For my American listeners out there, you know what? Support your neighbors to the north, <laughs> give them a try. They're, they're absolutely phenomenal. Um, and, you know, I love supporting companies that are supporting these types of confronting and conflict based conversations because uh, it obviously is a challenge to have these conversations right now. So go support them. Uh, on a more serious note, you know, this conversation is uh, not meant for youth. It's pretty explicit. It's pretty raw. It's very real. Um, so you know, just take a listen first before you think about sharing it uh, with your kids. Um, but I would encourage you, if you take nothing else out of this, I would encourage you to really consider if you have young men in your life having a conversation with them about pornography because more and more, what I have learned while leading up to this uh, episode in this interview uh, is that the average young man today will come across porn between the ages of eight and 11, eight years old and 11 years old, and it is so easy to access now. So if you are a parent, if you are an uncle or an aunt or whatever, uh, and you have young men in your life, young women in your life, because 30% of porn viewers are now women, uh, definitely have the conversation with them about pornography Use that as a bridge to talk about sex and intimacy. It can be a really, really powerful convo, and you'd be surprised how many of them are probably already watching it. So this is an amazing conversation. These three men are phenomenal. You'll see the links in the bio for them if you want to check them out and go a little bit deeper. Uh, but in, without any further delay, please welcome my three guests, Daniel Saint, Mike Rosenberg, and uh, and Chris Natratko. Uh, so Welcome. Gentlemen, welcome to Question the Rules. You all ready to talk about porn? Porn ready. Yeah. <laughs> Studying all last night. It's not even noon. What else are we going to talk yeah. about? It's <laughs> like, what, what are you doing on a Saturday morning at, at 11 o'clock? Oh, we're going to talk about porn. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, great. Well, it's wonderful to have you all here. Thanks so much for being here. I could tell that, you know, just before we got... Uh, on, on the set to sit down and have this conversation that this was gonna be really something <laughs> for many reasons. Uh, but why don't we just start off with a, with an easy question. Uh, tell us tell us a story about the first time that you that you watched porn or one of the first times that you remember of of watching porn and how were you introduced to it? I'm a skateboarder and uh, most
1: skateboarders <laughs> start by BMXing and most kids at Skate or BMX tend to find porn in the woods,
0: <laughs>
1: just growing. Just it's just there. Gross, we, no one yeah. knows how it gets there. It's like the one shoe in the gutter. <laughs> and uh, I remember being on this dirt track and finding a porno mag with my buddies. And I still, to this day, have PTSD about it because I, uh, the page that I was open to it was like um, an Asian pictorial, and they had like crafted Photoshop wasn't a thing. They had set up a samurai sword into the woman's vagina. Jesus. And first okay. off, I had never seen a vagina before. And I was like, wow, they cut off their penises. <laughs> they cut off the women's penises. And my friend's like, I don't think that's what they do. And I was like... It doesn't seem right. I was like, so it looks you, like it, though. So you're supposed to put swords in a woman's vagina? And, yeah. and they're like, that sounds more like what you're supposed to do. And so I had bad advice from day one. Oh, man. So, yeah, that was my first exposure to porn.
0: Oh, man, what a what a crazy experience to, yeah. to like walk into. Yeah. So when you first actually like got with a woman, did that impact you? Were you like, uh. Yeah, she uh, was like, sword. what the fuck are you doing with the sword? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this "Is
1: this is not how we do this. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh,
0: I don't need this. I have <laughs> a smaller sword. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man.
1: yeah, no. Um I, yeah, I never I, 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 never told anyone about the, the S.W.O.R.D. story, mm. like Until how it started. Just yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it. fucked me up my entire life. My, <laughs> the story that I tell people is that uh, my old man, who was an absolute drunk, um, he was like a porn addict. Mm. And he, uh, I remember going to the video store and they had the back room and he would always go into the back room and come out with the blue tapes. They had the blue cases. And... Um, he was just, had, his brain was so wet. He was just an absolute dunce. He had dropped out of school at eighth grade. Um, and he had wired the TV in my room somehow to receive the same signal as the TV that he watched the porn on. And so I remember playing Atari, and then normally I'd shut the TV off and then shut the video game off. But this one time I shut the video game off, and it was just fucking on the TV. And I was like, <laughs>
0: than what, is, "What is
1: happening? How yeah. old were you?" Um, I think I was probably like 11 or wow. 12, and um, I didn't. I, you know, it was like I changed the channel. I was like, "It's normally like cheese or snow," and uh, and it was just every channel was this fucking. And then I went and opened the door, and there's the drunk old man watching the same thing. And I was like, "Oh, this guy's a fucking idiot. He wired both of them together." <laughs> so, um, yeah, there was a lot of learning after that. Um, yeah. I wouldn't jerk off to it because I was like, I'm not going to simultaneously jerk off with my dad.
0: Yeah. But it it really it fucked me up. Yeah. For the first bunch of years. Well, that that like sets your stage for so many things, right? Like your introduction to sex, your introduction to porn, your introduction to women. Like, that's that's intense. Yeah. It was it was a heavy start. <laughs> yeah
1: um, I was lucky enough to meet a woman when I was about eighteen. I think she was like in her mid thirties and she was she had a bunch of friends that were dominatrixes in in Brooklyn and introduced me to that scene and they were like way into porn and uh, I was able to get a quick understanding that like this is a, this is okay and um you know, I shouldn't have been exposed to it at that age. But this is a very healthy thing. Um, sex in general is a very healthy thing, and uh, sharing it is is fun and cool. And so, um, I got to uh, hit another video game analogy. I got to reset from that moment, and like from 18 on, I've had a really healthy relationship with sex and
0: porn. Okay. I was gonna say, I would imagine that that would have been challenging to explore your own like sexuality, your own sexual nature, right? Like the thing that you just said there was really impactful. It was like, well, I don't want to masturbate like with my father, like potentially with my father in the other room right. watching the exact same thing. So how did that shape your own sexuality? How did that shape your relationship to masturbation and and, and exploring yourself? Well, Because my old man was a drunk and he was mostly gone, I didn't have much
1: of a father figure to guide me in any way. So um, I remember the first time I saw a pubic hair, and uh, I was really into horror movies at the time. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought I was turning into a werewolf. Yes. And it was the Lost Boys had just come out. And I think it was called Monster Squad. And I got so freaked out and I had no one to guide me, so I just ripped it out and they just kept coming i kept ripping them out and i was crying and i was like mm. they're going to the mob is going to come with torches and i'm going to have <laughs> no. to go and move they into know. the woods and and i'm going to have to run away they're going to kill my family they're going to come kill me because i'm turning into a werewolf and uh, again, it, thank God, uh, someone later like was just like, you have to stop ripping these out. Like, <laughs> this is not like...
0: It's yeah, not okay. Yeah,
1: I have like just uh, a, a bunch of bad experiences. Uh, like, So that would cause like these lumps, like when you shave like razor burns and I'm pulling hairs out. And so then I think something else is happening, that there's an infection happening. And like finally a woman's like... You're a fucking idiot. Don't you have
0: anybody in your life
1: that can tell you anything about your body? And I was like, no, I don't. I don't. Well,
0: I'm like, what a physical metaphor for resisting the, tr- like the transition from being a boy into manhood, hmm. right? It's like you have this man in your life or someone in your life who is just messy, you know? And here you are literally ripping apart the, the parts of yourself that are like representing this transition. Right. So that's, that's intense. So how did you start to heal through that? Just.
1: It's a long process and probably for another show, but uh, aside from uh, his, his alcoholism, he was very violent, you know? And so um, I, I was out of the house by 15. I've been on my own since 15. I just took off and, uh, and I've been just running around for the past like from 15 to about 30 trying to figure out my ass for my elbow yeah. uh, and bouncing off the walls and making a lot of mistakes and not until i eventually found my wife and she's like all right you're not this fucked up you mm. have to like reel it in and yeah. uh and so i honestly i don't i feel like my life started around age 30 mm. and meeting my wife and her like like Holding my hand through the rest of it and like yeah. getting me back on track because the first thirty years were absolutely fucked. Mm. They're well, fu- they're fucked.
0: We might get into some of that. Yeah, <laughs> maybe I'll, maybe I'll pause. That derailed from the horn in a big that way. Yeah. way. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. This You know, I think the, those are important pieces, right? It's it's context, and I think those are really important pieces. And sometimes we don't have the full story. When it comes to certain choices that people make and the parts of their life, and I, you know, I think that's a really important piece. So I appreciate that, um,
2: gentlemen. First time with porn? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Similar with like magazines we'd find every so often. You're right. Like there's a lot of porn magazines in the woods. Um, really? <laughs> I, grew yeah. I, uh, yeah. I, grew I grew up in the woods. I grew up in Canada, in so, so, like, there's a lot of woods. Probably, <laughs> there actually is a surprising amount of porn in the woods. We're like, hey, okay, <laughs> what's this <laughs> doing here? I totally
0: missed out on um, our
2: childhood. Let's go hiking, guys. We'll find it. Uh, but, uh, no, actually one of my first times was um, finding my uncle's porn stash. Like, he had VHS tapes. Um, and I remember the process of like figuring out like you know when the parents were going to be home. It was like me and my brother would be like, okay, we got to figure this out. We have to like watch these tapes. We have to see what's on these. We knew that it was like something inappropriate by the titles, um, and we would like fake, basically, act like we're sick before church on Sunday, um, just to like stay home and be like, no, we're both really, really sick. And then we like find the tapes and like make sure all the doors are locked and put it on and just be like. Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. Um, and yeah, we just—my uh, uncle moved out. We stole one of his tapes, and I think he was ashamed of having porn because you know the family and stuff. So he never told anyone, and we held on to that tape for so long, and it came with us like to so many places until you know we finally got dial-up internet. <laughs> <laughs> what and, was
0: what was the first porn? What
2: was um, it? I mean, it was bushy for sure. There's a lot of bush. bushy. It was just like a lot of. I think it was, like, 70s porn. It was, like, he definitely had, like, older porn stuff. But it was, you know, traditional, normal, you know, man-female type stuff. Um, And, yeah, I just remember feeling, like, that process of getting to the point where you can watch it and, like, having to plan and plot and, like, figure all the things out was actually a little bit more exciting than the porn itself. But, Mm. yeah. Interesting. We'll get to that in a sec. (laughs)
3: Well, I didn't like grow up him. in the woods. <laughs> there, there was no access to the natural farm-grown porn that you, you guys. I like that farm, farm right? that's, that's good. It the organic, good. the good, wholesome. Organic, stuff. wholesome porn. <laughs> you guys to bedroom death, porn. Death, huh? Yeah, yeah sounds like sounds like there's like dairy cows on the field yeah, somewhere. Yeah, well, if if uh, if hosting videos doesn't work out, we should start that yeah. business. Farm to farm to bedroom. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I remember. I had some, like, pre-porn experiences where I remember, like, in kindergarten us all having a crush on the same girl and me deciding that I was going to draw a picture of this girl naked. How I knew what that was going to look like, I had no idea. I wish I still had that drawing so I could test for, like, accuracy purposes <laughs> and, like, see what, what anatomically I got right. But I remember having it and being like, yo, this is a cool shit and, like, passing it to somebody and being, and then, like... Like, total side-eye. Like, dude, why are you passing me this drawing right now? This is this is useless to me. But I thought it was crazy. And um, I had, like, you know, teen's first biology textbook. And there was a little quarter plate that had just a drawing of a naked man and a naked woman and staring at that and staring at that. And then that, so already something was, like, percolating in the back of my head. And then I remember going over to a buddy's house for a sleepover. And he had just gotten back from summer camp. And uh, had this book that was just filled with tear outs that he'd gotten from the older campers and things like that. And we would like fight over who was gonna get which photo or which, like, you know, half of a magazine to look (laughs) at at that sleepover. And um, then, like, it, it couldn't have been more than like three or four sleepovers into this routine that we had going that, like, high speed internet became a thing. And I remember him just being like, these are the videos I have already downloaded. And then leaving me to this Shangri-La of porn and (laughs) shit that, like, I didn't know was fucking possible. I didn't, like, the stuff that I was, like, no idea that, like, things could go into those places. And I like that he was, like, ushering you in. Yeah, it was like like, uh, an orientation into this world. So I had that, and I had ushers my way, and that was pretty much my... Like the curated, curated porn a curated selection. curated experience, <laughs> Left yeah. for you
2: by the friend. Like, here you go. Yeah, and I, remember,
3: I would like. These start, are approved. I was like, this isn't a big enough collection, so I'd type in things and start downloading stuff on his computer, come back like a week later when it had finished, because high speed <laughs> wasn't that high speed, right? right? right. It was like, like
0: one kilobyte a second. Yeah. And then I'm like, come exactly, on! Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And like half of them were viruses, yeah. you know? So yeah, yeah we it was just care. like garbage. It was a worthwhile <laughs> risk. So what was, what was your experience? Like, what did it feel like to watch porn for the first time? Oh, I mean...
3: I understand it now as being high as a kite, Mm. just like really felt like there was this world that I had not seen that I now had unfettered access to. Mm. Like I had been given the keys to the fucking Lamborghini Mm. and like this was it and there were no rules. There were no rules. Like I could legit find anything I wanted, um, which wasn't made any simpler by the fact that, like, the very first video he showed, he was like, by the way, I think this one's a little fucked up. Like, we didn't know. We were 11. <laughs> but, like, we had some kind of moral compass that he was able to say, this one seems a little fucked up. And, of course, that was one I watched first. Right? Like, obviously. And it's, for it, shock, you God. know, it's the, the whole plot is of two guys taking advantage of a babysitter. Mm-hmm. And it's fucked up. It's so fucked up. And, like, bribing her with concert tickets. And I was like, oh, I guess this is how the world works. And, and like trying to regulate what I thought was wrong with what I was seeing and like the guys on screen getting the reward that I wanted. And so it was super confusing, right? And super exciting. Yeah. Had no idea what was what, had no idea what actually felt good, what would work, what was fake. And also knowing that I fucking loved it. Yeah. and, and <laughs> like, like It was out,
0: great. Outside of like that one buddy, did yeah. you talk to anybody else about like porn or about like, you know, what you were downloading? Not in any way that like you would think of as constructive. Yeah.
3: Like this became a thing. Like our whole crew like, would have sleepovers and this would happen. And we figured out which channels started, like, playing the porn after certain hours. And, like, we knew whose buddies' houses had Cinemax because Cinemax had porn. And, like, <laughs> you know, those were the best houses to have sleepovers at. And, you know, out, but outside of, like, Strategizing over when we were going to get our next hit. There was no, like, hey man, how did that make you feel? You <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, yeah like, it was like,
2: no, uh, like, no sitting down and yeah, question, yeah, or like, like, questioning. Do you think like, that
3: that's really how this works? Like, we never <laughs> had those conversations. It's I don't like, think any
2: of those conversations are really come up early on. Like, you're yeah. kind of just experiencing it for the first time and just excited about having access to it. Yeah. But confused as fuck.
3: Yeah, just like fully in it. But it was the exact same conversations we would have about, like, getting beer. Hmm or cigarettes or weed or things like it was the exact same Mm. like same way you would tell like war stories like man i was so high on like sam's roof last night like same shit like oh i watched this great video last
0: night like you gotta like same same concept so what were your routines or rituals like as you sort of got into porn maybe you started dating you're like in high school uh because I think, I think people have a ritual, right? Like I, I know I like on Reddit, I'll see like the internet meme, you know, somebody will have created a meme and it's, it's like parents are out and it's like a dude holding like a Vaseline bottle and like a (laughs) box of (laughs) Kleenex, right? And it's like, okay, people, people clearly like guys, we have our rituals when it comes to watching porn. So what did that look like for you? When did you find yourself watching it?
1: I never really had a ritual. It was really utilitarian to just get it, (laughs) get it done, move on with my day, Mm -hmm. um, I've always sort of been, uh, you know, a Johnny Cash fan. Don't take your guns to town. So, like, if I was going to go to the party, like, just get this done, and then I could just focus on conversation and not hormones surging through my body. Mm. So I didn't really have a ritual, but uh, I will admit to this. Again, haven't told anyone this one, but uh, I'm terrified of flying, and so uh, my, I guess my one actual masturbation ritual is when I'm I sit down in my airplane seat. I put all the things and then I go, I used to go to the bathroom and masturbate to calm down because hmm. I would be terrified. Hmm. And then someone's like, you know, you could just take drugs. And I was like, <laughs> masturbation drugs? And they're
3: like, no, like,
0: like anxiety drugs. Exactly. So I, I did that five. and then I stopped jerking off on airplanes. Hmm. So it sounds like, it almost sounds like porn or masturbation served a function of like helping to calm you in like anxious times yeah mm-hmm.
1: i mean even to this day it's uh, you know it's soothing you know like w- when stressed out so, i yeah. think that's for anyone though right like it's so, exciting sort of. it's both exciting but it's also soothing f- soothing yeah. yeah you know it can be like the trip to in turkey you know on thanksgiving you're just like
2: <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> the world doesn't exist beyond this turkey <laughs> yeah what about you guys I mean, I think like initially, when you just had access to it and we' first getting access to it is it very really, like whenever you can, you know, sure. to, like find time to be alone with it. Um, but then, like as soon as I kind of lived alone, um, I just remember setting up like entire days where I would just like watch porn all day and mm-hmm. see how many times can I jerk off because that seemed like something fun to do. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah. like fourteen times in a day, and be like, okay. Let's not do that for a week. Skin um, goes <laughs> like, Yeah, yeah. where is Most, Daniel? Of, He's like, been, gone for, move around. been gone for <laughs> a weekend. He's like, all calloused in a mess. Um, but yeah, I remember like setting up those as like very special days. And it was just like very like, okay, this is going to be my me time. Mm-hmm. This is like my self-care. Just go and masturbate all day. Um, but I don't do that anymore. Yeah, now there's partners and stuff. We'll watch porn together. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I always remember that. And I think, you know, once I started incorporating porn into my relationships where, like, Mm -hmm. I would be with, you know, either my wife or at the time or, like, you know, partners and stuff, it became, like, more natural to, like, enjoy porn and discover new porn and kind of make it part of the sexual experience, um, Mm -hmm. which was always nice because it didn't feel as shameful. Like, I grew up very, very religious, so... Masturbation was completely off the table. We weren't even supposed to like, you know, get erect Um, so uh, You always had this shame that was associated with porn and I think once it got incorporated into my relationships And didn't feel like something I was hiding from a partner or hiding from someone it became very like natural to Be accepting of that, you know relationship.
0: Yeah, interesting. What about you Mike? I think I had less of
3: a ritual than I had skills Mm. Like a really to find that, develop some skills in order to special get special sk- set of skills. <laughs> I, have, I have a very particular set of skills, um, mm. like knocking it off the backboard is a garbage can. Exactly, like intense. skills so
0: that you could watch porn. So that I could
3: watch porn uh-huh. in a way that felt good for me. So yeah. like. Everything from learning how to masturbate left-handed, mm-hmm. right, so that I could use the a computer. A the stranger. stranger. Yeah, the, stranger. <laughs> yeah. the stranger. Beware yeah. the stranger. Beware uh, the stranger. Uh, you have to sit
2: on your hand and get it numb. <laughs> yeah. That's I, that, I,
3: that never worked
2: out for me it, well. It really doesn't it work well. Yeah. No. 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 It's, like, it's a ridiculous. Yeah, it's not <laughs> <it's> <laughs> enjoyable thing. for anybody. Yeah. 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 Now my hand hurts. I've been here for too long
3: Learning how to masturbate left-handed so that I could use a computer to learning, like, the keyboard tricks that would hide things. Because, like, keep in mind, I'm, like, 11 or 12 with full access to high-speed porn, meaning I'm probably in a house with my parents or somebody else's parents or I'm in college with, a fuck like, a roommate. Not, like, a roommate who lives on the other side of a wall, like a roommate who sleeps in the same room as me. Um, Figuring out ways that I could do this, like, as covertly... As possible, so that like I could easily switch back to my whatever essay I was supposed to be writing or music I'm supposed to be listening to. Um, but yeah, I think the ritual, to whatever extent, depending on where I was, like figuring out how I could get alone or knowing what the sounds in the apartment were yeah. that meant that like people were coming Which or not.
0: boards Creek. Like- yeah, 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 exactly.
3: Like, I had a What's fucking spider
0: mine, <laughs> mine was like the stairs. Like, I was downstairs in the basement. <laughs> and my parents, for whatever reason, I'm sure they're going to watch this and get a good kick out of this, for whatever reason, when they first got the computer, they put it downstairs, and like <laughs> not thinking like we have a we have a like a thirteen year old boy downstairs who's going to be using this computer. And so like I think a huge part of my ritual was like every night when everybody had, I thought gone to bed, right? That's that was like the prime time, right? And so I was like very cautious of like hearing people coming down the stairs, totally of just like the spidey senses, you know? Totally. Did you ever get caught? Has anyone gotten oh. caught? Far more
3: times than I'd like
0: to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> All
3: right, well, share share
0: one. Share <laughs> one.
3: Oh, share one. Um, the worst. <laughs> the worst. Only because it was the only person who ever actually said anything.
0: Mm. Which
3: maybe the ones who don't say anything were worse. I don't know. Because then I have to live with that, <laughs> that <laughs> fucking
1: shame <Right>. internalized.
3: <laughs> um, I remember in college, my... Uh, this was freshman year. My desk faced the door to the hallway, right, and which was great if my roommate was in the room because I could watch whatever, and he would have no visual of my screen. But if, heaven forbid, the door was not locked, someone had full access to whatever <laughs> I had full access to, and I remember, like, a marathon session, because, like, I wasn't actually going to college i was watching, i was using the fucking great internet provided yeah. by the university of michigan to my dorm um and like i guess in the middle of the session getting up to go to the bathroom and leaving the door open like an idiot and leaving all despite all my skills that i've just bragged about leaving the porn up on the screen and of course at this time like i was into like taboo shit because i'd been watching porn for five years and yeah having that up on the screen and coming back and finding one of the hallmates just like Drop like jaw dropped trying to figure out like I don't even remember I wish I did but like he was just like so that's what you're doing (laughs) and like the fear that shook me like everyone's gonna know that I was watching like whatever weird shit I was into um and having to like alpha up all of a sudden and be like what like you don't like you're not watching this too and get all like alpha in the hallway to
0: like make sure you stay quiet. Yeah, that was that was a strange mix of emotions in a five minute period. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think my my conversation was like my parents had found my browser history. Oh gosh. And I had I had <laughs> forgotten to. I think I had I was I think I was like fourteen or fifteen, and I hadn't I had watched like hours of porn. Like I had just sat there and watched hours. So like you know when you sit there and watch hours of porn. Over time, you just go through, like, you get into some weird Weird shit. (laughs) You get into some weird shit, you find yourself in some places that you probably never want to go back to, and there's regrets, you know, regrets, regrets are ahead. And I remember my parents, like, sitting me down, and I'm on the couch, and they're across from me, and they're like, Me, like this? Look. So yeah, kinda like this, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, and so my mom is just sitting there and she's like totally quiet and silent and she doesn't know what to say. And my dad my stepdad starts having this conversation and he had he had printed off the fucking browser history let's <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, review you, what you've been watching <laughs> <laughs> fucking clipboard printed off the browser history <laughs> I, and I was the like you <laughs> <laughs> I was like you son of a bitch like how could you do that and and, <laughs> and like didn't didn't like we didn't he like we didn't go through it but he very clear was like so I printed off your browser history and we need to have a conversation you know and we started to talk about mm. how I'd been watching porn and why and And it was just so interesting because, like, what an awkward and embarrassing conversation. But we hadn't really talked about sex that much before, you know. And so to kind of get busted like that, it didn't stop me, right? I still kept (laughs) doing it. But I was just much more sleuth about it.
2: So, yeah. Yeah, I think it's surprising that a lot of people have that, like, those sex conversations when something wrong happens. Like, it's very rare to, Mm -hmm. like, discuss that and talk with your kids about porn and explain to them, like, these are actors and this is all fake and this is all fantasy and this is something that you should know, like more of those conversations are happening now. But back then, I think as porn was becoming so available, there was like that fear of having those talks. So most people's association with porn and being discovered, uh, so watching porn was always focused on shame and was always focused on the bad and like the mistakes that you made. And I think that didn't help a lot of people.
0: Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, you mentioned religion before, which, you know, I, I think you, yourself and myself, and I don't know about you, Mike, but that seemed to like really shape the narrative and the conversation, the messages around sex mm. growing up. So like, can you give some background into what that was like and what the messages were?
2: Yeah. I mean, I was raised Jehovah Witness. Um, we were third generation. So my grandmother was actually in it. My mother was fully raised in it. My father as well. Um, and I mean, just the relationship with sex in general is very much no sex before marriage, but even kissing or being alone with a girl or, you know, masturbating, anything that can trigger sexual thoughts was extremely bad. Um, and you'd have to like talk to elders and you have to talk to people about, you know, any sort of desires and stuff that you were having. So that kind of set a stage of just seeing all sex as bad. Um, so like once porn came into the picture and once a lot more porn became available because of high speed internet and you just having this kind of unlimited stream of just, you know, n- naughty things. <laughs> it kind of, it, you know, it, it triggers, um, like, you kind of, like, want to push away from that. You want to push away from the stuff that you've been taught. And it's, it's like that gateway drug into, like, what is sex, you know? Mm. And it's the only thing that you have explaining to you about sex. Like, my parents were the types that didn't want me to have sex education in school. So mm. there was no conversations whatsoever, and they completely didn't talk about it. Um, it's actually funny, my mom... Um, one day came to the kitchen table, like, when we were older, maybe a couple years ago, um, and she just seemed, like, very shocked and, like, for surprise, and we're like, oh, you know, what's wrong? And she comes to me and my two brothers and my dad, and she's just like, did you know that they're actually having sex in porn? And I was like, wh- what do you mean? It's like, well, I thought they were actors. I thought they were, like, acting, but there's, like, they, they actually have sex and she didn't even realize the concept of, like, what porn was, mm-hmm. which made her so much more upset for all the things we did as kids because she was <laughs> just like, this is, not, this is real. There's, like, they're really having sex. It was just that shock and that surprise. And we all, like, kind of laughed and, like, you know, just realized how, how blocked off people can be yeah. from, like, what's really happening in the world and what's out there and, and how that kind of leads their entire life, you know, to be sheltered, to be, you know, in a space in your own little bubble so you don't have to know you know, and and you don't want to accept that. So I don't know. That's kind of like shaped a lot of my relationships with sex early on, where it's just like, I don't know. It just builds curiosity.
0: Yeah. How would how would you say that that shaped the work that you do today? Because you've you've kind of gone straight into like this not safe for work and you know teaching sex and liberation and and, and sexuality. So how would you say that that the sort of confines of the structure that you grew up in? How did that Shape you.
2: I mean, a lot of NSFW and you know what our goal is is to you know ask what people would be like if they didn't have shame. Mm-hmm. You know, if people mm-hmm. were not you know loaded on with all this guilt and all this kind of judgment, um, whether it comes from you know a god in the sky or it comes from the people and their religions or the people in their family, you know, what what happens if we get a good enough amount of people to just not accept shame in their life and not yeah. to be ashamed of these things? And I think. A lot of that was shaped by my upbringing and, and being in a religion that's so restrictive and, you know, it's, 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 it's strange. It's like, it's type place, like, even with my parents now, like, we really can't have conversations. Like, it's a very difficult, our relationship. Um, and they were taught, you know, that once you kind of leave, like, you're not supposed to talk to your kids. You're supposed yeah. to, like, completely cut yourself off from people. Um and like just learning that and training that it really does shape a lot of the things like yeah. it just it just adds that curiosity like we take everything that you see in porn and teach you how to do it so yeah. from you know kink to BDSM to like you know anything really um, it's a it's a lesson in how to get there yeah. so that the stuff that you're seeing the stuff that turns you on is stuff that you have access to
0: yeah i would imagine that that curiosity that it sounds like you had as a kid being in that restrictive space we wanted you know kind of made you want to, like, go outside of that box and start so to, like, learn about it? Like, how did you start to learn about sex?
2: Was it, was it through porn? Was it through experimenting? Was it a mix of both? Um, I mean, I grew up and I kind of always knew I was bisexual. Like, I always had that feeling for both. Um, so once I left my house around 17, uh, I just went to sex parties a lot. Like, literally anything. I was one of those, like, Craigslist people who were just like, what's going on and what's (laughs) happening? And, you know, go to, like, the scary hotel things and then the scary BDSM clubs and, like, you know, the weird swinger couple stuff, Um, (laughs) which gets, you know, interesting. So I think before I was married, I got married at, like, 25. I had been to maybe, like, 30 to 40 different sex parties and events and stuff like that from the full spectrum of sexuality Uh, and just realized that there was a lot missing. Yeah. Um... There wasn't conversations about consent. There wasn't, you know, safe environments where people can explore. There was no education at all about yeah. teaching people about sex. Um, it was kind of just like this very, you know, just come, come dumps. Like, you just go to the come yeah, and then you leave. Um, so a lot of that shaped my decisions, to, like, build at SFW and to create more of a community and create a place where people can, you know, feel comfortable about this stuff and talk mm. about it. Uh, and I think that's why we've been so successful. Like, it's just grown rapidly which is great.
0: yeah and I think a lot more people now are starting to have these types of conversations and like you know opening up the box opening up the conversation really starting to question like was that was that healthy you know like when I would sit there and masturbate for like a whole day or like five hours like whatever is like and was watching porn like was that healthy it's like no not really that was a pretty unhealthy space right and um I mean, maybe for some people it was a, a liberating space, it was an educating space, but now people are starting to have those different conversations. So, what about you guys? How did you, how did like religious messages around sex shape, maybe the way that you dated or the way that you went and, and interacted with porn?
1: Well, it's strange for me because my family is Portuguese and mm. it's a very sexually repressed country. Mm. You know, they've got the Our Lady of Fatima appeared to three children and this holy ground everywhere. But then there's this tiny little town called Caldas de Rina. And in every one of their gift shops, their main export are porcelain penises. <laughs> of every shape and size, they have statues of Jesus with a string. And you pull it and the dick pops up. <laughs> They've got every I like main I occupation. A, <laughs> <the> <laughs> a nurse, a nurse. You pull the string, a dick pops up. And, and, they're, and they're painted like uh, peach colored with fire engine red tips and balls. <laughs> and I remember being a kid and seeing this and being like, what the fuck? <laughs> like we'd go into this town and be blocks of goat cheese and dicks. dicks. <laughs> <laughs> and I was I was like, it's amazing. Yeah. So my wife and I went there for uh, a month on our honeymoon. We got these mugs, like holes all around, a dick spout on it. <laughs> it's amazing, but it's a really sexually repressed country. My mom um, would never speak of sex. Uh, you know, no guidance whatsoever. Um, Catholic school, you know, the weirdness that happens with priests in there. Um, altar boys getting touched everywhere. Uh, it's, you know, it's really fucked up. And I think uh, I had mentioned that I worked for a skateboard magazine called Big Brother. And there was a disgruntled worker in the subscriptions department because Big Brother was owned by Larry Flint. And his last, uh, his last act of aggression against the company was to swap the Big Brother skateboarding list with that of Taboo, Larry Flint's naughtiest magazine. It was like an interracial fisting cover that month. And um, my mom was on the Big Brother subscription list. And she received that issue and was like, what the fuck? And then opened it, which is strange to me that she would even go and open it. But she opened it and like this centerfold was um, a pictorial of two naughty nuns having sex with, I think, a boa constrictor, and yeah. she just lost her shit. She thought that I had personally sent that to her to spite her for all <laughs> the, the years data. of Catholic school and church. And she's like, if you don't want to go to church anymore, it's fine, you don't have to send me this <laughs>
0: And I was like, I didn't, I didn't do
1: it. But so yeah, it's like
0: there's no open conversations. And well, yeah. it's, it's interesting to see how, I mean, for a lot of people, the sort of rules of some religions can sometimes shape how they interact with sex and they'll shape how they interact with porn. Yeah. You know, and and you know, I think we talked about off-camera, we talked about, you know, the the fetishes that can sometimes be seen in porn, right? And, and some of them are, some of them are specifically around trying to heal through shame, you know, mm-hmm. and heal through some of the maybe trauma that's been there. But, you know, a lot of the research is also showing that's coming out that a lot of porn is being created to actually eroticize trauma and actually eroticize abuse and abandonment. And so I'm curious to get your take on that as we sort of maybe look at the, at the porn industry itself. Like, what are the rules that you think that men have to follow that lead them to porn? Because mm. I think for me personally when i look at the when i look at like the rules of men oftentimes like the big the big one is like we're performance objects right like we take pride in performing and achieving and i think when i look back at my personal usage of porn a big part of it was like how do i learn how to just be a, like a bedroom champion you know like how do i learn how to fuck yeah. basically and when i would watch porn it was like oh i'm going to try and get this education so that i can perform for sex for women and that that was really interesting because that shaped my usage of porn and then it shaped how I interacted sexually with people so what are your thoughts on that like what are the rules of men that you feel informed your porn usage
1: yeah
3: I think that's a really it's a really good point especially coming off what you guys just shared about growing up because I was raised in a totally different environment from both of you like Sex was not repressed in my culture, in like my house, but like it also was not talked about. I wasn't religious. I didn't go to religious school. I went to a real progressive private school where we had sex ed and assemblies where people talked about some of this stuff, but it was never made. It was never put in the context of actually young, actual young adulthood, um, especially for me as a young man. And thinking about what you were just sharing, it's like all right. I was being bullied, right? And my understanding, especially for the teasing that was happening around the way I looked, it's like, all right, if I can pull the hottest girl in school and make her think that I am like Superman in the bedroom, then no one would be able to say shit to me about how I looked. Because, like, who's the ultimate barometer, who's the ultimate judge of this, would have to be the hottest girl in school. And so porn was like research at the start. At least that's what I thought. And then, of course, later, as you were talking about, it ends up just becoming like a a soothing thing. But um, yeah, it was absolutely research to try to figure out because like, sure, people were talking about what, you know, sex was, but no one was saying how. No one was saying how to get what I actually wanted, right? People were just telling me what it is mm. in a very narrow uh, and very kind of prissy language like um, that often was shrouded in things like, despite the progressive nature of my environment, was shrouded in things like fear and shame because they're just like words that people don't want to say. There are actions people don't want to talk about. It's like, yeah, everybody loves everybody. Like, it's going to be great. Like, you're going you're gonna to know. <laughs> I was like, I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know no matter how many people told me you were just gonna know, like
0: I didn't know shit. Yeah. So I went online. You know, I took it into my own hands, no pun intended. It almost sounds like <laughs> porn helps to break a bunch of rules that are producing shame yeah. and like helping people hide. Um, but it also seems to reinforce other rules. So, sure. so which which ones do you th- which one like which rules do you think porn helps to break, and which ones do you think that they yeah. help to reinforce? I think
1: right now is a great period in porn. I think in the past, you know, it was this male-dominated thing. Even in the industry, it was like, you know, kind of it was not kind of it was pretty greasy. You know, like the term casting couch is a thing for a reason because that's the road that women had to go to, even though porn doesn't get made without the women like they are the true stars the the men are the backup dancers yeah and we're at a really good time where women can work from home as cam girls and and own their own companies and and it's finally at a point where people are realizing like they are the stars Mm -hmm. like none of this happens without these women and so I've I've interviewed a bunch of porn stars over the years, and like women like Joanna Angel, who she owns her own company, Burning Angel. Um, she was like one of the first to really own her own thing, top to bottom, and and she's crushing it, and and a, and sp- she's inspired a bunch of other women to start their own thing. And I think like if we set these new rules, and there's a better understanding that like you know guys. Guys DM me dick pics to try to get into porn because I know women in porn. And I'm like, this is not how you get into anything. No one wants to see a dick. I don't want to see a dick. It's like, it's a really poorly designed appendage, you know? Like, I don't want to look at my own dick. It's not, it's like, this... We could have done better. As like as a, as a design team, we could have done better. A woman's vagina, aerodynamic, it's a beautiful thing. Like a men's dick just flapping. You know. It is Not, it have is a plug sacks, but there's a reason they created those underwear because yeah. 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 There we've go. got to do something with this thing, and the duct tape
0: hurts. And so um, from the guy who was ripping out his own. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, just... So, so what's, what would you say is the behind the scenes? Because I think, hmm. you know, as a porn user, I don't think that most porn users really know much about the behind the scenes. So over the, like the last decade or so that, you've, that you have sort of all been involved with the porn industry in some way, what what is the behind the scenes
2: look like? I mean, the industry has changed so much. I think there's a lot more power in the hands of the creators. Okay, You know, um, you have a lot more of the stars, you know, taking ownership of what they do. You have sites like OnlyFans. You have sites that are out there that let them monetize and make their own porn. So they're shooting stuff while they're on vacation. They're shooting content that feels like high-quality, like, YouTube, you know, traveler-type content, the type of stuff that this younger or millennial generation is kind of attracted to. And because of that, you have more female creators in porn. So I think before... It was very male dominated. The ideas and the thoughts were very male focused. But now, you know, pornkink.com, uh, you know, has a female CEO. You know, mm-hmm. like it's like the women are kind of taking control of the industry in a lot of ways, and we're seeing more representation in porn. We're seeing more of the content that just didn't exist before, and you're seeing more porn that has conversations about consent and the idea that you know, this person's here and they're excited to be here and they're excited about what's going to happen. And, you know, being able to showcase that wasn't something that, you know, even existed 10 years ago. There was no kind of idea of that. Mm. Um, Also, I think just with the amount of free porn that's out there, the studios are getting a lot more creative on what they create Mm. and what they um, build out. So you're seeing porn that has, you know, production budgets like reality TV shows where it's multiple stars and it's scripted and it's like a real production to it and a lot more studios are going that way of like really creating this higher quality content um, and I think with that you're seeing more female voices you're seeing more of that perspective and I think that's just helping everyone you yeah. know it's really helping get out of the the dirty mucky period of porn where it was more about objectification it was more about you know the female as a subservient and the male gaze and that kind of uh, feeling and now it's gone to There's so many voices. There's so many things you can find. There's so many options that if you're looking for it and you you want it, you'll find it. And Mm. women especially are now becoming the highest, um, just the highest level of where all the new business is coming from. Why is that, would you say? Because they're creating porn for women. They're creating porn that actually is attractive to them and interesting to them. It's not, you know, where the men are attractive. You know, like there was a long time where, you know, you had Ron Jeremy and those types of, of porn personalities where it's like, well, we never have to show their face, so it doesn't matter. Now it's like the men are much more attractive and it's much more, um, you know. Now it's like yoga porn. <laughs> you know, it's like it's very much <laughs> becoming like the female directed, um, you know, narrative. Uh, and I think that's just attracting a lot more women to it. Yeah. And, I, and think also, it's,
1: I think it's been neat for the past, you know, 15, 20 years that the. it's one of the few industries that I can think of where um, the female uh, actress is, makes double to triple what the male counter, counterpart does. I think they deserve far more for the work that they do. I like to believe they're doing God's work on the screen and uh, they should be paid for it. Mm. Because there's a lot of social ramifications that come with signing on to that. you know, yeah. I've got a bunch of friends uh, that are parents that do porn And they're lovely people. It's like in People Magazine, they're just like us. You know, (laughs) they're just normal folk, and they are great parents, and they care a lot about their children. And uh, some of the best parenting advice I've gotten has come from porn moms. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they've also told me stories that their 8-year-old was the only child not invited to a birthday party in a class. Like, you're good enough to jerk off to me,
0: but... I'm not good enough to eat your sh- slice of shitty pizza. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I mean, I think I think there's a certain connotation for people that are in the industry for sure. I also, you know, I also think that there is because of how much like shame and guilt and and sort of like trauma is around porn, not just from the people that have been in it, right? There's obviously like stories of um, you know, people within the porn industry being abused, and and people that are in the porn industry that are that are there because they are addicts and they have no, you know no other you know no other means, but but also because of the user, right? The users are also a lot of them are using it for um, reasons that are trauma based, that are shame based, that are. You know, kind of like some of the things that, that we've been discussing and talking about, it's like there wasn't an openness to the communication. So I think you wanted to see something else there. Well,
1: I, you know, just to go down that route, I mean, you know, you hear it all the time sex work is real work, and it's, it's a lucrative career choice. Yeah. You know, and most of the women that I know that are involved in it, they choose it because they can make a shitload of money and they're happy. They enjoy, everyone they like enjoys yeah. fucking. <laughs> and to get paid for fucking, if someone would pay me, to, like pay to fuck me, I, I would take that offer. <laughs> It'll never come, but I would take that offer. Never to two, right? yeah, It's It won't happen. It'll never, my wife doesn't even want to do it. Leave it in um, the comments. Um, <laughs> <yeah. laughs> take offers, I need side yeah. He's taking offers. Um, <laughs> side hustle. <laughs> no, but um, you know, all the women I've interviewed, I, I tend to not be attracted to the deer in headlights scenarios. You know, the things that are exciting to me are the empowerment stories. You know, mm-hmm. these people owning their own product, you know, and their own brand. And there's women, like, they're making travel porn because they're making a shitload of money and they can't spend it fast enough and they've got to take trips to film more porn. Yeah. You know, it's it's a rad lifestyle.
2: You know, like, I would like to get paid to not leave my bed. Yeah. It's pretty good. I mean, we work with a number of like adult stars for various campaigns. When we're developing stuff for the sexual wellness brands, we basically go to them and like, you need to work with porn stars. You need to work with people who are actually having sex so they can showcase your product and actually use these things. Um, and the amount of money that they, some of these girls can make is insane, like 250000 300000 a year without ever working with a studio, mm. without ever like doing an actual like porn porn and just from their Snapchat channel and getting $20 a month from people who want access to it. Or... You know, selling 150, 500 videos that are a little bit more personal for specific people, and I think that is the new generation of porn, and that's going to take over most of the industry. Um, with you know, companies like OnlyFans surpassing Pornhub and you know, becoming much larger because they're giving people the tools they need. Um, but yeah, they can seriously make bank, and if a girl manages her career the right way, then it's you know, going from stripper to Cardi B. You know, like it's a very, you know. Kim Kardashian made a porn tape. Now she's Kim Kardashian. Like yeah. it's and, a billion and dollar I think brand, you know so. the,
1: the trauma thing is valid, and it was it, it definitely when I first was exposed to the industry was definitely a bit more rampant. But you know, as sexual norms ease up and and people are accepting of everything now, like this is just and you're
0: it's an accountant or a policeman or a porn star. It's totally fine. You How know? do you? You know, I think there's a lot of stats that are coming out now there's sort of like 30% of the internet is porn. Like the, all of all the only thirty percent? Yeah, only thirty. It's like thirty or thirty-five percent of the of I the internet it was in the 90s. Yeah, yeah. yeah on the earth, but like you look yeah. at you look at sites like Pornhub, right? Like in three months, they managed to get 50 million users. It took Facebook and Apple and like all these other companies years, years. decades for some of them to get 50 million uh, users. And Pornhub did it in like three months. And you know, I think what we're starting to see is that more and more young boys, especially, are watching porn earlier. Like the average age is eight to eleven. You know, like being an eighteen being an eight-year-old boy or a nine-year-old boy watching, you know, porn, like, yeah, exactly. Right. And and being introduced to that, you know, oftentimes by someone that's older or because they're stumbling across it on YouTube or whatever it is, that like don't you think that has consequences? And how do we start to address that? Because that seems like a very real thing.
1: But like anything that's wrong with this world, like the internet is not to blame, and I I feel awful about that, but everything, it starts and stops at home with Mm -hmm. parenting. You know, if if you talk to your children about these things, they won't have the desire to like, to go down that route or be violent or be an alcoholic. Uh, You know, I'm a former junkie and, my kids are aware of all the friends that I've lost. They know the consequences of drugs. The reason that I went down that road is because no one told me. You know, so you address everything, top to bottom, not just sex. It's you. You have to have open dialogue. You know, healthy communication is the key to a happy life. They're
3: interesting, co- like correlations, though, right? Because like, it is amazing that like Burning Angel and Kink are changing the face of. What I guess you would call like sort of the mainstream top line porn stuff but to my knowledge and correct me if I'm wrong but like we're not seeing we don't really have any data to know if like less people are being abused in the porn world like we know that there are like webcam farms basically Uh, that really take advantage of a lot of these girls. And, like, maybe it's not happening in the States as much as it used to, but, like, it is still happening. And, like, sex trafficking is a huge thing. And, like, what is the correlation between porn and sex trafficking? Like, does one create a desire for the other? Like, I don't know.
1: I don't have the data on that. I think a big problem is that we criminalize sex workers in this country. Sure. And so they're forced to go underground and put themselves in these bad situations. Like we need to be open and address that and, and stop criminalizing totally. sex workers of any kind. It's an totally. occupation. It's a, it should be a box checked on your taxes. Yeah. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. And there's no reason that people should end up in jail. And the people that they target tend to be trans and people of color. Sure. And you know, next thing you know, they're being deported because they're arrested because or of these killed. heightened laws yeah. Yeah, and, or killed it 's uh it's you know it's 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 criminal what is being done to that community in this country yeah. There is I'm oh, sorry go ahead
2: no I mean totally agree with you, I think on you know just the rights of sex workers and figuring out the best way to allow them to do what they 're doing and and you know decriminalize is important. I think fiSA sosta was like something that really had a huge impact on just trafficking and and you know what was happening because you 're right there would be. People who kind of set up accounts, send videos out, and then it's escorting, and then it's like someone else is managing the account, and then it's sex trafficking. Right. You know, then you have these people kind of going through this experience. But yeah, decriminalizing is probably like the first step to really help with that. Like, give them an option to not be criminals, but to truly be victims and to be able to say, like, this is what's happening to me. Allow them to go to the police without fear of your breasts and and stuff like that. And I think you can prevent some of the sex trafficking thing. Um, But on the porn studio side, Like, the larger studios are keeping it safe. I think there's a lot of smaller studios out there that do take advantage. And, you know, Rashida Jones had a great series called, you know, Hot Girls Wanted, which was all Mm -hmm. about how people kind of get stuck into trafficking and how they get caught up in it, you know, when they're young and kind of leaving home and have no options and, you know, $2,000 sounds great and I'm going to go to Florida, and then you're caught up. Um, So I think more visibility on that and just making people more aware, but also just decriminalization. Like, if we decriminalize sex work, then these people have a place to go. They mm-hmm. have you know support. They know that if they want to leave this, if they want to you know escape the sex trafficking side of you know the porn industry, they can. Um, and I think that's really important. And it's yeah. a
1: lucrative business. My son wants to be a zoologist. The average income for a zoologist <laughs> is $78,000. I would much rather him be a porn star.
3: <laughs> I want to jump back
0: straight in
2: straight on up. something you just said.
0: Oh, <laughs> and then we're going to talk about your,
2: your son's future porn. Um, yeah. yeah, then we can talk <laughs> about his career path. His um, career path to porn. That I
3: completely agree that decriminalization would be a really solid step. but educating parents on how to educate their kids would be a really solid step. I also know that the internet moves way faster than governments do, yeah. moves way faster than police, moves way faster than our culture can. So I guess the question that like, I'm really interested in, like, when I go and talk to young men, it's like, what are the things that like, either the internet can do or the industry or we as people who access the internet can do to start changing that conversation so that maybe the next generation can grow up in a world where there is a decriminalized uh profession known as sex work right and it's like i think it's dope that you talk to your kids about using but like
1: most parents aren't ready for that
3: right and like schools are talking and to people they should about pass drinking. an
1: aptitude test for parenting <laughs> <laughs> you know not of parents <laughs> you can have these conversations with a straight face <laughs> there's a test you have to pass to buy a gun there's a test you have to pass it to uh for for a driver's license these both are viewed as possible weapons sure and you can cause someone to be a violent sex offender if you do not have an aptitude test in place to teach people that these are some basic things that you need to know. Well, sterilization first.
2: (laughs) And then... (laughs) I'm moving closer to this. (laughs) (laughs) Sterilize all people, make them take a class. She's a test, man, no, but, because there are a lot
1: of people that should not be having seriously. kids. Oh, yeah, we would I all remember.
2: say that
3: no one should drive drunk, right? And we have an entire, commie- like, cultural vocabulary for, like, cocktails are great. Like, enjoy them. Like, yeah. you know, cigars are great. Enjoy them. But we also have the same vocabulary that says drinking when you're a child is pretty dangerous. And drinking itself is really dangerous, whether you're
0: 50 or 5, yeah, right, there isn't Blake. there isn't like unfettered access right i think the the, right. the different comparison is like not everyone has pounds of cocaine in their home sure. or cabinets full of alcohol that you're giving kids in, the keys in to pretty much yeah. like every single home in america you can access whatever type of porn you want to watch every
3: pocket in America right Lar- largely yeah. right and every we can, phone
0: yeah, yeah. And most most phones and so and you can see like like a lot of teenagers are starting to get access and parents don't really know how to block. And, you know, of course there is, there is absolutely responsibility on the parents. I think the reality though is that, that there are far too many kids that are going to slip through that, that, you know, that for whatever reason, whether it's religious, like we were talking about before um, where the parents, you know, don't have those conversations. That's like, I think, Religion's probably not just going to go away. For sure, but you can't expect the internet to raise your kid. Like, absolutely, you them, like, absolutely. Yeah. I mean,
2: I think it is about public advocacy and like really, you know, PSAs. Like just like there's PSAs for alcohol and drugs, tobacco, and yeah. you know, all these other things. There needs to be PSAs for porn. There needs to be some sort of education, some sort of message out there that just like lets kids know like this isn't real. These are yeah. actors. Like. Here are the conversations you need to have with your kids. Like mm. your kid is eight years old, get ready. You know, like yeah. like a stuntman yeah, at the I mean, beginning of Jackass. Yeah, right? yeah. exactly. Yeah, like yeah. trained porn professionals. Porn trained, this is trained, not professionals, what Real yeah. sex looks like unless you yeah. like this type of. We're sex heading. The I mean, there's a, case, go yeah, find yeah. it. Like, yeah. Right now, there's a porn ban in the UK that's coming up in July. Basically, you need to have a credit card to access any sort of porn. All the sites are changing it. You need to be 18 plus to access any porn. You have to prove day. that you're 18. You, you to have to prove, you, yeah. you have a credit card to prove that you're 18 yes. to access any porn. All the studios are freaking out. It's basically the entire UK blocking porn um, in essence. And obviously other countries like Turkey and, and places that are a little bit more religious completely block porn. There's no access mm-hmm. to it. If you're found with porn on your computer, you can be arrested. Um, so I think there is the idea of completely trying to eradicate porn, which isn't going to work. It's always going to be available, it'll always be there. <laughs> Um, and I think the other side of it is like, well, let us accept that porn exists. Let us know, like we know it's here. What are the conversations we have to have? Yeah. How are we talking to our children? How are we making sure that this isn't creating a worser generation than the one we had totally. before? Cause now they have access to even more stuff. Well, and I think the more, like, I think what we can probably learn
0: from our past as a society, as a culture, you know, as, as religious beings is that the more you restrict, the more darkness you create. Right? The more that you restrict people and you put them into these boxes and the more confines you have around them, the more that they are they are curious and try and find ways out of it. And it creates an immense amount of
2: shame that they end up acting out on. I mean, yeah, you look at the Catholic Church and like the amount of pedophilia that's been taking mm. place like right. is a pure example of it. The more you restrict, the more you prevent people from experiencing sex, which is natural, God-given, is joyous, and should be celebrated— the more that you have these darker categories and these darker places that exist in people's minds and hearts.
0: So what would you say is the difference between healthy, we'll call it healthy uses, like normal usage, and when does it start to cross the line into an addiction?
2: Well, I think it comes down to, you know, any addiction, it's like when is it impacting your life in a negative mm. way? Is it impacting your relationship with others? Is it impacting your job? Is it impacting your health? And you start looking at those things and say, is my porn addiction to the point where it is those things? And a lot of people mm. do become addicted to porn and you know they do spend a lot more time on that versus building actual relationships. And I think that's where addiction comes in. Once you're unable to build actual relationships, once you're unable to, you know, keep a job or or maintain just normal like healthy life like that's when it's addiction yeah um, I think you know watching a lot of porn or, or a good amount of porn and, and enjoying it like there's nothing wrong with that I think it's important to incorporate into your love life it's incorporated to you know have your partner you know kind of on board for your porn habits and, and discover things that you enjoy together um, but yeah once it's like a negative impact on your life you're heading into addiction zone
0: Yeah. have you ever found yourself nearing that space
2: no I mean I I think younger, you kind of like just go through of all the excitement of seeing it. And then over time, like, you know, I, I practice, um, like mindful masturbation. So it's like a more mm-hmm. meditative masturbation where I don't use porn. I like to more visualize and that helps you with premature ejaculation that helps you with maintaining erections and understanding the things that are triggering your, you know, deeper desires, mm-hmm. um, inspect sexual desires. Um, I watch porn now, like maybe once or twice a week and we produce a lot of porn. So I watch that, but <laughs> I don't find it as sexual. It's, it's work. That's work. It's literally like I have to I have that's to watch work this phone. for work. That's the work <laughs> phone. Um, and we, uh, Also actually I do watch a lot of porn. Porn specifically for masturbation, maybe like once or twice a week. Porn for work, like pretty much every day, but
3: Yeah.
0: Mm.
3: I think a couple of really important things were just said in this space, which is like, number one, like porn can be
0: addictive. I mean, just about anything, right, can be addictive. But like, why, why do you feel like guys, because I hear a, there's a like, debate around that, right? Sure. Like, can porn be addictive? Some guys are like, oh, that's fucking ridiculous. Like, do you, like, why do you feel like there's a resistance around just labeling that porn can be addictive?
3: I think there's a resistance around thing addiction in general and mental health in general. I don't know if that's like a cause correlation, but anybody who tells me that you know porn can't be addictive it's just like read a book bro like come on like the the data is so there and even like let's remove pornography from the question and like just have a young mind male female however they identify it, in front of a blue computer screen for that long like you're talking about overconsumption right and overconsumption breeds all sorts of health issues and like, we know how the brain works. We know that <laughs> I'm so sorry. the leather, it was not me. <laughs> we know, we know that our, uh, our dopamine systems in our brain respond to things like anxiety and they respond to looking for pleasure more than they respond to actually getting pleasure. Because if we responded to getting pleasure, we would just find a blueberry bush in the woods and then eat and stop looking for food, right? No, but so you can like, be
1: addicted to the blueberry bush. Anything sure. is addictive. I sure. Am, but I'm alcoholic saying that porn can be addictive, and anything, that's something that a lot of people, saying people anything just don't can totally be addictive, right? And, and that's how I, I, I stopped drinking, and. I immediately, because I drank wine, and, yeah. and it's got tons of sugar, so I started eating candy nonstop. Totally. next thing, I was eating a gallon of ice cream a day, and I was like, I'm addicted to fucking ice cream. Mm. So I had to stop that, and then it was Swedish Fish, and I was like, I I and, had to I had to separate the fucking everything. and
3: the ice cream for a second, based on this conversation. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but porn <laughs> is the one thing that I haven't been addicted to, um, and I am super really thankful for porn in my life. Uh, the first few years of my marriage... We're long distance. I lived in Los Angeles. My wife was in New Jersey. And that we had that bond. Like there was no FaceTime in 2000. And uh, we would just watch porn. And that Mm. would be like we'd be on the phone and talking and watching. All right, cue up this video. And, you know, it's very healthy. And I'm about to. Uh, be married for 16 years in July, and it's all thanks to porn, man. Yeah. I, I thank my marriage, the health of my marriage. I That's give it all wild. to porn.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that everything. I mean, anything can be. You're totally right. You could be addicted to the blueberry bush, but I think there is this whole culture where men don't even realize that they could be addicted to porn. Well, what that was, it's a
0: possibility. What was your experience? Because you've talked about yeah. having a porn addiction. So how did so that? So I talk about it a about? lot,
3: and it's like. For one thing, I didn't know for years that I could be until I was sitting there reading an interview with Kanye West, and Kanye West was talking about being addicted to porn. I was like, fuck, like, I didn't know that was an option. I didn't know that that was a fucking category for humans to fall into. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit, like, the light bulb just went off. It explained everything. I'm like, sidebar, if Kanye West is the person identifying your mental health issues, like that's a whole other <laughs> conversation, Right. But, um, yeah, my experience with porn was that, you know, as I said earlier, it was something that I started doing for research and then very quickly was the way out of every uncomfortable situation. It was also the place that I went to reward myself for things that were great. It was the system. And, you know, a big misconception about addiction is that people think it's a place that you go to feel high. Really, it's a place you go to feel nothing, right? It's to get out of whatever situation you're in in a very honest generally an honest and loving attempt to just remove yourself from some component of your life and that was very much my deal with like being bullied feeling uncomfortable and you know before I knew it man it was like that was what I was after Mm. like I'd be in class thinking about when I'm going to go home Um, I'd be you know invited to a dinner or something, or like missing Mother's Day brunch because I was at home, like still engaging with porn because of anxiety mm. and things like that. And you know, we know there you know, we know now that like porn is correlated with anxiety, depression, lack of energy, all these things. Which a million and one other things are also like ice cream. Ice cream. Yeah, yeah. not yeah. sleeping enough. You could, eat, not, uh, you could uh, eat right? a of ice, yeah, yeah. ice cream. Not yeah,
0: similar effects. is
3: associated with these things, right? So anything that you're over consuming. Is going to probably hurt you,
2: right? It could be the blueberry bush, yeah. you know. Living um, moderation is so important, and I think right. it's the same with porn. It's like you want to moderate that. Um, yeah. But I think in terms of like preventing other addictions, like for me, it's I, I am a hypersexual person, so I'm you know always in a sense like excited about sex and, and looking for for sex in some way. But I find that porn helps remove that. So. If I'm ever mm. feeling that way, I can watch porn, kind of get that out of my system and continue going about my day not thinking about that thing. So it takes um, the edge off for you yeah, as opposed to thinking you want more. Exactly. Yeah. It's like a completely different feeling, like where I like talk to someone like, Oh yeah, let's meet up and I watch porn. I'm like, uh <laughs> 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 like maybe not.
0: Like I don't need to, to spend time with you. Um, but do you think there comes a point where we can like mitigate that. There's a there's a really great psychologist um, out of Vancouver. His name is Gabor Mate, and he's like a an addiction specialist. And sure. he says that addiction is addictions are there to solve problems. Totally right. So there's some inherent problem that we're trying to solve through that addictive behavior, and the majority of the time it's some form of connection or or disconnection that's happening that we're we're seeking to solve for. Right. So you're talking about anxiety or social anxiety and or depression, there's always something that we're looking for. So for, for maybe for you, Mike, what, what problem did you feel like you were trying to solve when you were like really deep into it? You listed off a few things, but
3: yeah, you know, I want to be real clear that it wasn't, I wasn't like present with that problem at the time. Mm. Like I know I can answer this question even maybe as vaguely as I'm about to only because of years of work and like Talking to hundreds and hundreds of addicts like across the world about their experience with pornography and like their experience with sex and love, um, I am a rare addict who like did not come from an abusive household, did not come from a repressive environment. It's like whatever happened in here just kind of fucking happened, and like I needed a way out. Like in retrospect, I was being bullied. I was. Deeply uncomfortable in my own skin, like huge self-esteem issues. Uh, Had no idea what I was going to be doing with a girl. Um, Thought, you know, was totally unsure about like how I can make myself into more of a man. Um, And I was in a really high pressure academic world also. And I think porn was just the only fucking place that I could control. You know, I knew how to get what I want when I wanted it. And it was free. Yeah, And it was in my pocket. And like, I could be anywhere in the world with an internet or cell reception and get away, Yeah. right? And like, it well, eventually started to creep up and take and went from being this place that like, I think at first for me, it was a lot like what you described, right? It was like, okay, now I can go back out into the world. But eventually it was like, you know, an hour later, I need it again. Half an hour later, I needed it again. Yeah. And like, I'm sitting there like trying to be a writer, sitting in front of my laptop, Trying to write a book or something. And then the only thing I'm actually doing with my laptop is, write, is watching porn until 2 in the morning. Right. Um, which, again, you know, we don't have
1: to. This doesn't have to be porn. You know, substitute anything for that over But I think, early, like with anything, early intervention is the key. Totally. And I think that kids should have therapy in school at, at the very least once a week. Not a therapist mm. on site that they could go to. Mandatory Therapy. You go in and you talk. Mm -hmm. My son is on the spectrum. He lives and breathes therapy. There was a point in his life where he was seeing various therapists five to six times a week. Hmm. And I remember he was about seven, and we're on a playground, and some kid was losing his shit. And my son just turns to me and he goes, Man, he should really talk to his therapist about that. (laughs) And I go, how old was it? He was seven. I and, love it. And, and, he, and I said, you know, there's a chance, bud, that he doesn't have a therapist. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me in shock because he only knew therapy from age three on. And he's like, why? why? He couldn't grasp why. He's like, how does he survive without it? And he is so – he's more articulate with his emotions and feelings at age nine than most 40-year-olds that I deal with. Yeah. Like, his l- emotional language um, is exciting for, for me. You know, like, I saw he had a face on, and I was like, what's the matter with you? And he's like, I'm vexed. And I was, like, <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, that's awesome. And he's like, you must not know what the word means. And I was like, no, but no one uses the word vex. That's so great that you could tap into that precision. Interesting, And uh, I just feel like... If it was offered on a regular basis in school for kids to go mm-hmm. and it became part of the culture where we're talking more, like we would be able to express ourselves and the issues that troubled you at mm-hmm. a younger age, you could be working through them earlier on instead of coming to a tipping point where it's just like, fuck! Yeah. You know, what or me, yeah. fuck! Yeah. You know, and like I was like, in
0: therapy it was yeah. it was the yeah. whole time. <laughs> It just seems time. to like get into a dysfunctional space when, when we're not having those conversations, and and I think a lot of it still comes from, like you said, oh, I didn't come from this like a you know dysfunctional family or abusive home, like whatever. Yeah. But but then you go on to talk about being bullied. Like, that's still a form of trauma. Absolutely. I think think we as guys, oftentimes, we have this challenge around labeling what trauma actually is. Mm. It's like, look, if you were fucking picked on at school and people beat the shit out of you and put you in lockers and garbage cans, it's like, that's trauma. Like, we need to stop dicking around and pretending like that's not trauma, right? You're like an eight year old kid and that happens to you or a 12 year old kid and that happens to you. It's like, that's traumatic. Sure. Period. And that leads to coping mechanisms later on in life. And I think that the, like, these are the types of conversations that, that start to open up the door to move the shame aside, move the trauma aside, and not aside, but like actually heal through it. And, and those are the important pieces. So you know, if you were to speak to your younger versions about porn, what would you want to say? <laughs> Ooh, what a great question. Fuck! It's as fun as it looks. It's as fun <laughs> as it looks. Uh-huh. that's for sure. It's <laughs> pretty accurate. Yeah. Um,
2: I, I think yeah, just in. knowing, like, knowing that they're professionals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people watch porn and expect like that's what's supposed to happen. Like this is the expected part, and you know it's why we've seen such an increase in the amount of people like coming on people's faces. Um, you know, they, this kind of like this idea that this is how it's supposed to be. And a lot of us, you know, growing up, use porn as a way to learn about mm. sex. Like we all, want, like most men out there, want to be good at sex. Yeah. You know, they they want they have that desire to please their partner. It's like why
0: they go to it? Yeah, first they thing. go to they it first. To it. It's like
2: I want to learn this. I want to know how to do this. I don't want to feel ashamed the first time I have sex and be told that I'm not good at it. So you go and you watch it and you watch tons of it and you see different things and you you know expect the orgasm to happen right away mm-hmm. because that's mm-hmm. how it is in porn and you kind of expect it to end with you coming because that's what you see in porn and it's kind of, you know, these expectations that we set for ourselves. So I think the first thing would be it's fantasy. Mm-hmm. You know, like I wish my younger self knew that it wasn't real. Mm. Um, and I think also that these are professionals. Like this is their job to be hard for, you know, an hour at a time and like to be ready to go or to, yeah. you know, you know, be in these in these positions and these things. And I think that was necessary to, to learn. There's actually just a recent story of um A girl who now has to have a colonoscopy back for the rest of her life like she just kind of because they watched some porn and tried doing what was in the porn and Mm. really didn't have the information that they needed to like do it right and now you know she she's unfortunately shitting in a bag for the rest of her life like that's the type of things that are happening mm -hmm. to youth out there as they are watching this and not being educated There's like education needs to happen. yeah know that this isn't real
1: and in all seriousness um to respect your partner, you know, like a lot of the porn yeah. that I saw at a young age was violent, and I grew up in a violent home, mm-hmm. and, you know, you know, you don't want to take that into the bedroom. You don't want to think that this is how it works, and uh, I think, you know, to address it like they are actors is clutch. Yeah. Mike, what would you say? Man, I've had such, like, a rough run
3: with the world of internet porn, like it... Was both like savior and whatever the fucking opposite of a savior is, like the guy who drives sculptor. You. Yeah, sculptor. <laughs> <laughs> was that on camera? Was the sculptor joke on camera? Fuck, on we better camera. get that back. <laughs> that was a good callback, Oh um, You know, it's been such a peak and valley experience for me. And like, you know, I actually wasn't ever shoved into lockers, and I wasn't without mental health professionals all around me in school weekly appointments like friends and family and i still found myself in a place where i was who knows if what came first you know the chicken or the egg with like uh severe depression anxiety things like that but like it wasn't making it better and i certainly wasn't making my writing any better um so there's a lot that i would want to say to that 12 year old there's a lot man um I think I would probably say, you know, it is as fun as it looks, you know, for sure. Like, there are some really exciting, really great things that are going to come out of this. But I'd probably really want him to know just how dangerous it is. I'd want him to have the same warnings that he got about booze. Like, go drink. Like, have a great time. Celebrate with your buddies. But, like, don't drive on this shit. And, like, don't think it's going to solve everything. Don't think it's yeah. going to make you cool. Don't think it, like, gets you in with the group of people that you want to be in. Because, like, I got those warnings about drugs. Like, nobody ever offered me free drugs. Like, you know, I've never been to those parties. But, like, I mean, any I had a phone, anytime I had a computer, they are basically offering me free porn. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I would really want them to just know, like, yeah, proceed with caution, yeah. my guy. Like, and if there's something you really want from a partner, like, to go back, like, just ask. Like, it's going to feel real weird and real awkward, yeah. but, like, <laughs> just
0: ask. Like, you're not, because you're not going to learn it out there. You're not going to learn it out there. I think so. if I if I was to answer the same question, and like, I often talk about this at, at men's weekends that we lead or, like, working with guys. And I always come back to the space of, like, pause and ask yourself, why do I want to use this? Mm. Why, am I wa- Why do I actually want to watch porn? Because I think one of the interesting things is like when we talked about some of the stories of porn, for most of us, it was filling some sort of a void, right? It's like I feel anxious about this flight, so I want to go and, and watch that and, and mm. like masturbate, right? And I think when I started to ask myself that question years ago, I started to really tune into how I was feeling most of the time and a huge part of it was like i wanted to watch porn when i was lonely or when i was super stressed out and was just had so much going on at work and that was like my release method or i wanted to watch porn because i was you know <laughs> depressed or i was just like or or i wasn't getting enough like it was very rarely that it was actually about Being turned on and being horny and most of the time it was like I'm lacking some sort of connection Or I feel anxious or depressed about something or I feel angry and I can't seem to solve this problem and I need a release and the majority of the time it wasn't about the actual like eroticness of it And I think that that's a shame, you know and because then it starts to take sex and intimacy and smash it together with anxiety and depression and dependency and shame and all of these other parts. And so I think when we start to ask ourselves these questions and we, and we start to question these rules, we can start to separate what is that intimacy? What is that that sex look like? What does that desire look like that I actually have? And how is that separate from shame or trauma or the anxiety and depression that might be there and, and start to like have that healthy space? So listen, guys, you are amazing individuals, and this was such a great conversation. I feel like we could have sat here for half of the day and just told stories about this realm, and I feel like we got into pieces of it that that were so wonderful. So thanks so much for being on the show. Uh, thanks so much for what you're doing, for your insight and wisdom, and uh, thanks for questioning the rules.